podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, it's the podcast guy. Something I talked on on podcast. It's the Southern Podcast. So welcome to another episode of Such United Talk Time on podcast. It's something podcast in association with Lucky Star Gin. You will notice I'm out and about. I'm in a swingy chair, so I'm going to keep doing this until Tim hits me. Um, and that's given a little bit away. We're joined by Tim. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm very well. Two years we've been saying, oh, you should come on. I should come on. And finally, it was like, come on, Tim, let's just do it now. Let's yeah, get I th- upstairs. I, I think it's probably time. I think the problem <laughs> with being as successful as I am, it's always easy to say, I would do it tomorrow. I'll talk to you next week or what have you. And of course, you know, it never happens that it way. It never so, happens, yeah. yeah. But so you, you ran with us afternoon. <laughs> I was coming down for the women's game and it was like, well, why not? Exactly. Well, we're at the women's game, which is why the schedule has been sort of blown out because I'm very excited that we're under the lights. Only about an hour ago, I realised that I'm excited to be under the lights because um, it's going to be Rosie's first game under the lights. Not excited for me at okay. all. I'm excited for Little and so yeah. Well, um, my first game was under the lights as well. Yeah, I think it was a long time ago. <laughs> well, it was it was an evening fixture, definitely. So yeah. the lights would have come on. Absolutely. So people, well, obviously some people will, some people won't know you. So um, for the benefit of anyone who doesn't know you, um, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your something. Credentials, if you like. I haven't got the sound clips, so you're not going to hear the Who Are You music, but tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're starting history. Yeah, so, well, first and foremost, I'm, you know, I'm a fan, as I've just alluded to. I, you know, I came to my first game um, uh, one evening back in 1978, uh, Anglo-Italian Cup, um, and quite relevant to now. That was, a, that was a free ticket issued to schools, something mm-hmm. we're still, still doing to the day. Um, and it'd be nice to think that the recipient of one of those tickets that we're handing out in 2023, we'll perhaps be sitting in this room, whatever it is, 30 years later, um, having um, uh, adopted more than one hat. So I'm not just a supporter. I'm um, uh, I, my first official role was company secretary to, uh, to to the limited company that owns the football club, and then it became secretary, um, involved in various management um, positions and um, what have you, and then joined the board as a director. Um, uh, relatively recently, actually, you know, up until last week, I think I was the, the most recent uh, recent director. So that, that mantle's been passed on. <laughs> um, and the, the real answer to the question is, is why am I here almost every day, or my wife thinks it is every day, um, is because of the wonderful journey we've, we, we've gone on since becoming um, champions of, um, <coughs> of the National League, which is, which which is, is up on there, the board just, yet. just behind us there. Um, <laughs> And it's probably out of shot, but when we when we put that up on the board, we deliberately put it in a place where there's no space underneath it because champions of the National League is obviously something we're only going to be once. Exactly. So we're not going back. We're now. not. 
But um, and that, that crazy May, which doesn't seem that, that long ago, sometimes it feels quite a long time ago, actually, um, resulted in the club requiring somebody to be full-time mm-hmm. uh, within the club to, to answer the phone and whenever the EFL or the FA rung and what have you. And I, I took that on as another hat. Um, and we've had a, a few iterations since then of, of who works here and, and doesn't. We've grown slightly. But, um, yeah, I'm now uh, the chief operating officer, which um, sounds quite grand. Uh, but in effect means I have fingers in lots of pies and I am the default go-to person when something needs doing or answering or, or, or what have you, whilst still being secretary and uh, be involved on the, on the football side and what have you as well. So that's uh, that's the, the non-expurgated <laughs> version of a very short answer you were probably hoping No, for. no, absolutely not. Because um, you've, you've hit on a few few points we, we are going <laughs> to come back to. So one of the questions I wanted to know is how different is it or how... Uh, you're watching games now, not just as a fan. You've you've got yeah. a whole other other side. How, how sort of difficult is it to kind of move from just watching as a fan? And like yesterday, you, you were a fan. Whatever whatever way you shape or form, that last thirty seconds, you're going to be jumping up and down and screaming. I was. Um, there was both of those. There's, there's a photo of you, um, I believe, in that crazy day in May. I think it was um, screaming on the pitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've, they've managed to, the, the photos from that day, they've been turned into various posters around um, more the tunnel and the players' areas, but, um, you know, I, I'm not important enough that they, um, to, to keep, so I've been cut out of some of those. But, yeah, I, I'm very privileged, actually, because of what I get to do here and, and the, the roles and responsibilities I have, that I do have access to the players and the changing rooms, and I do get to go on the pitch and all the rest of it. Um, but at heart, I'm, I, I'm still the fan um, you know, before we, we, we elevated ourselves into the position we currently are. So ma- match days are quite interesting for me now because that's a work day for me. Mm-hmm. I, I am a fan and always will be a fan, but I get to see very few um, games in their entirety. You know, yeah. people often see me walking around with a mop and a bucket or cleaning a yeah. toilet or what have you on match days, which is, you know, go for the territory of what I do. It's not the most glamorous side of what I do, um, but... That, that is what match days can be like for me. And we, I, I joked at the Walsall game um, that I saw all four goals. And I think up until that point in the season, I, I hadn't <laughs> seen a total of four goals. So um, um, my, my match days experience, home matches are very varied. They're, they're, they're long and they involve all kinds of things. But I do try it and still watch the, fan, uh, the game and be with the fans as much as possible. Um, I get to see more football now as an away supporter. Uh, and away supporters are great. And I wish we had more of them. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure... You know, lots is being done on that on that front, whether it's the supporters club or supporters as individuals or the club itself, trying trying to grow that. But I, I, I love watching um, as an away fan. Um, and, and yesterday's fairly typical um, for a match day. I mean, I, I, I'm quite lucky in that I, I often go up the day before I travel with mm-hmm. with the team or I meet the team rather than travel with them. And we, we there's a whole routine around what, what Friday afternoons and Friday evenings are like for a Saturday fixture and, and what have you. Matt likes his routine. And yeah. uh, we, all have, we, we all thoroughly enjoy those days, generally speaking. We, sometimes we joke that when it gets to three o'clock on a Saturday, that's when, uh, you know, that's when the best bit of the weekend has actually happened. <laughs> and we go home now. But um, joking aside, uh, yesterday was typical match day. I mean, I'll, I'll do the changing room thing. Uh, I, I do the team sheets, I speak to the referees, I represent the club in, in its literal sense mm-hmm. in the lead up to the match. Uh, and then I'm very privileged and lucky that I, I, I get hosted 
by the away clubs usually in the boardroom and I get to do the um, you know the handshakey bit yeah the bit that we always love as a, as a non-league club when you, you got to literally stand next to a, a fan from the opposition and ask how their season was going yeah. and what was going on and the knowledge across the pyramid you know, they, they were great and we kind of miss out on that now mm. I still have an element of that luckily in the boardroom with away directors or um, sponsors or whoever it happens to be in there um, and then typically I'll watch the first half of the game um, in, in that area, often on the halfway line mm-hmm. in a nice elevated position. But as as yesterday, come come second half, I'll I'll work my way around and um, I'll stand or sit wherever we've been allocated. You know, whether yeah. there's twenty or thirty people as there are sometimes, or or three, four, five hundred, I'll be in there being that fan that, that I don't get the chance to be as much as uh, uh, as I used to. Um, and you're right, you know, ninety four minutes yesterday. Um, you got to see the real me, the people that are around me, um, and you know I'm very conscious of who I am and what I represent and uh, what have you. But you know the hair gets let down, and um, <laughs> we, uh, we we thoroughly enjoy ourselves when we have moments like we did yesterday. So. Absolutely. I mean, I was going to ask you. You've, you've gone on to the next one quite quite brilliantly. Um, ask you about your match day because um, I've often joked when I've come here a little bit early. I'll see you um, in one outfit, going to do one set of things, and then you have a quick change, and you're off doing something else. And then, yeah, you do kind of sometimes sneak onto the, the back of the, uh, the curve where I saw you, was it last week? Um, how, how important is that for you to just get that kind of feel of what, what fans are thinking, saying? I mean, I know in the match we're all saying the referee's awful, but um, how sort of important is that to try and keep that connection? I, I think it's massively important. Um, yeah, you're right. I did, people often joke with me that I wear three sets of outfits on, on, on match days um, and we won't go too much into, into what they represent. But, but you're right. When, you, when I'm with the fans and I get the chance because the radio's gone quiet and I'll go and stand with, um, whether the people I've stood with for 20 plus years or whether the people that I've got to know relatively recently or whether they're complete strangers, you know, people come up to me, which is great about this club, that we are accessible. So mm-hmm. people will come up to me and others um, and, and ask their questions and offer their opinions. People are entitled to opinions. That that's great. But it is it's very important that we have that conduit to the fan base. Um, and I, I think um, you know I don't know absolutely what it's like at other clubs, but it's hard for me to 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 think of another club that has the accessibility to people from the very top all the way down mm. to uh, you know to to the yeah. bottom tiers of management if you like or, or just supporters you know we're all we're all fans at the end of the day and we do all have that opportunity to talk and express our opinions and sometimes they're football ones um you're right the curve last week i was questioning um i'm, I'm very good to referees I, i'm not anti-referee at all <laughs> i see them as people and um you know i accept that they must make mistakes in the same way that i make mistakes but uh, it is sometimes opportune to to, to to get the collective opinion about how that wasn't a penalty, for instance. Um, not that we can ever change it. No. But, um, yes, we um, referee conversations do crop up when I when I when I talk with the, with my brethren on the terraces. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it must be difficult because I know um, ages ago when one of the county cup games I was at, AB was kind of wandering around, and he's sort of like. I don't get to do this anymore. I don't get to go down to the ground. So it, it, it's, it's really good to kind of, it's almost back to the floor type thing, but um, on a yeah. natural basis. And I think sometimes we have to sort of remind ourselves that, that, that we can do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think we get a little bit um, caught up with how hectic match days can be. And we're yeah. all doing different roles, whether it's selling tickets in the office or selling programs or just 
dealing with problems that, that have come up. But actually, you know, all, all of us can and perhaps should do more by way of walking around and, and, and seeking out the people that we haven't spoken to or are the people we've never spoken to yeah. at all, because it's very easy to, um, to think we're integrating with our fans and being accessible, which we are. Mm -hmm. But when you're busy, you tend to find the people like yourself that I already know and yeah. that, that we can have a conversation with whenever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's nice to hear you know, and be introduced to, uh, to new people. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving the fact that there's people that I, that I haven't seen, people coming up to me and, you know, coming for the second time, which I think is brilliant when you find people yeah. that come the second time because they've obviously enjoyed it the first time. You feel people have come from all over the place. I had um, uh, a man and his son um, who were on holiday um, from Houston and happened to come to one of our games. Uh, and next time they were in the country, they wanted to come back. Sure, yeah. you know, and that's a hell of a journey to come yeah, yeah. and, and, and to fit in, <laughs> things like that. So it's great when you do get to meet not just the regular fans, yeah. but just people generally, you know, why they're here and what they get out of it. And then, then we learn from that as well, because that allows us to put, you exactly. know. You, you, what you think is important, what I think is important to me, may not be important to this person over here. They might really want something else. And actually, I can... I can do that. Yeah. That we can solve. I can't solve Mike's thing of wanting his stairs on the curve to remain forever and ever and ever and never be knocked down, by the way. Um, but you can't do that. <laughs> All the other things you might be able to tick off. So that's why it's important. No, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, when we do what we do, um, we really want to keep as much as we can the core values of what we stand for and have stood for for a long time. But the reality is, it wasn't that long ago there were a thousand people on the ground. You know, any any good. any attendance that started with a one, yeah. you thought we've had a you know a good day here, um, and now we're getting three times that. So mm -hmm. almost by definition, we've attracted a lot more people yeah. who are new to us, and we have to be respectful of what they want out of the club mm -hmm. and what have you as well. So it's it's that balance of being respectful to both and, and not disrespectful to either, um, and and things evolve. I'm sure. You know, when I when I first came through the gates, there had been certain traditions and certain things that had always been done that way and what have you, and they perhaps felt alien to me or I wasn't aware of them. But that journey just 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 progresses, and the, and the, yeah. the kids we're giving free tickets to now that are coming with their dads or their families or their school chums or whatever it is, they'll be our future. Um, <laughs> and at right. some point, we'll be passing on the baton, and they'll be looking after and being respectful to me and my generation. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you know, if we're in the championship by then or wherever we happen to be, um, they'll be dealing with the current and planning for the future as well. So it's a, yeah, it is a balance, but you know, we, we do our best at, at making that balance. Of course. Um, one of the things you mentioned is, and I was going to ask about as the team news, you, you, you get it a little sneak peek because obviously you're giving it to the referees. Um, any chance of sending that to me so I can get my prediction leagues better? Or well, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, it's a short answer. I, the short answer is no. Um, typically, I get team news quite early, mid-Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, is my job <laughs> is making sure that that team's a valid team, particularly mm -hmm. in cup competitions and what yeah. have you. There are various different rules. Yeah. Um, and you can't expect... Matt's very good, by the way. But you can't expect him to be responsible for knowing all of the rules and um, yeah. uh, and what have you. And he's you know he's very good at communicating. Lots and asked me, you know, is this team okay? Particularly in things like the EFL Trophy and what have you. And we'll we'll, we'll feedback. Um, no, you can't play that person or or whatever it happens to be. And then that goes through a process that eventually is that is the swapping of the team sheets and 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 giving that 
news to the media ahead of an embargo and what have you. But mm-hmm. everybody in the, in the media knows how that works and what have you. So football's, you know, we're all a family. We all know what the rules are and we, we do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in many things in life, if you if you try and bend that or work it to your advantage and what have you, well, funnily enough, you're excluded from it the inside, yeah. you know, going forward. So, yeah, um, yeah so um, that that's how it works. And, you know, I, I, I won't go into specifics, but there was one occasion this already this year that, that the Mets asked to put someone in a, uh, on the team sheet and I had to have that conversation with him and um, um, that got resolved. But I think issues like that, from Matt's perspective, he wants to know about as early as possible. Yeah. So things like Goody not being available yeah. um, yesterday. Now, he knew that, but we communicate that earlier mm-hmm. in the week um, just to make sure you do know that, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I do, but thank you for telling yeah. me. Those kind of conversations take place because the last thing Matt wants to do is prepare a team Exactly. Um, and then what he's set up and what he's been working in training on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it happens to be can't take can't place. Do. Now, occasionally that will happen because someone will get injured in a warm-up or what have you, but you don't want to be creating those situations where you don't need to. So, no, yeah, absolutely. We, we talk regularly on that basis. Yeah. And obviously you, you've spoken as a fan um, and you have a bigger picture. Um, Bruce brilliantly described... Um, some of the results towards the start of the season as a, as a sticky patch, which I thought was amazing. Um, but how much impact does the, the, each match results have on you and long-term decisions? So do you kind of look at the last match or do you look at the last 10 matches or is it nothing to do with, with it's, that? It's a really interesting question question and the dynamics dynamics around football clubs are quite interesting and I've, I've described this in the past that football is the ultimate long-term industry if you look at the clubs generally speaking across the you know we've been going since 1898 you go to all kinds of clubs have been going for a, a hundred years or, mm-hmm. or more you know even the, even the young clubs people have been around for quite some time so it's very long term but within that everybody's looking at the current season or the next match or, or what have you. So it's, it's almost like you're operating at both ends of the, the very long and the very, very short, short spectrum yeah. uh, at the same time. Um, and for us as um, custodians and planners and the strategic thinkers behind the club, it's quite difficult at times to sort of, you know, what are you working towards? So ground development, we're, we're looking at what does the next 20 years look like? And mm-hmm. if we do something, how will that impact, you know, the future and what have you? But by the same token, match days, attendances are literally affected by what's the current form like. You know, we've probably seen that this year. There might be 500 less people coming through the gate than there would be if we were in the playoff places. Now, I can't control the football, but I have to adapt the business, you know, Mm -hmm. around that. So there can be challenges, you know, within that because, you know, 500 people missing, you know, those bums on seats are each worth £20 on match day, mm-hmm. perhaps. You know, that's £10,000. You multiply that across the season, that's a significant change in, in a budget. But by the same token, we're, we're thinking beyond that and going, OK, are we going down? Don't think so. So we, we, we plan on, a, um, on the basis that things are going to be <coughs> what they're going to be. So it's, it, it, it doesn't come into a literal everyday sense. No. But like any other business, you have to work around... What, what your current demand for your product is and what have you. And that's what it is at the end of the day as a business. We have to think of it in those terms. And the important thing is if football's not doing so well, what else are we doing? You know, the, yeah. the, the, a lot of the last three years has been trying to catch the business up to the football, which is great and exciting, but it's planning around how we transition from a 
once or twice a week business, game on a Saturday, game on a Tuesday, to being open all the time. And yeah. what does being open mean if it's not football? And how does that generate significant amounts of money uh, around that? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're as important dynamics as the football are. They're perhaps less visible and, and, and less well understood. But that's we're in the entertainment business at the end of the day, and that's what entertainment businesses have to do. So yeah. we're no different. Well, I'm actually going to skip the section I wrote down because you've, you've led on to another question um, about sort of budget management and every penny counting. And obviously, I, I, we all know. <laughs> we, we know what the situation is in Sutton. We know we haven't got loads and loads of money. Um, but we had a chat a couple of weeks ago that we've now got Sky in the bars. And um, to me, that's just, oh, we've got Sky in the bars. Oh, what? Um, doesn't mean an awful lot to me. But actually, you were explaining that actually if people were to come down and make this their point to watch a game and spend that money behind the bar, it has a big impact, as you say, over the season. It does. Um, and it, it, even, even if we just focus on match days, mm-hmm. people that arrive at 12 o'clock and not 3 o'clock make <clears> a difference. Mm-hmm. People that traditionally arrive at 3 o'clock, if we can tempt them to come to in at 2 o'clock or half past 1 or half past 12, so by having happy hour in fan zones, by showing the, the live game both before and after matches, mm-hmm. all that extra activity, um, it, it does two things. One, it brings in more money. Of course it does. That's great. So the commercial reality is that money is going to be useful to us. But it makes the place feel like a club. Yeah. You know, and I often say, when you, when you describe a football club, everybody gets football. Yeah. You know, we all know what the football is, but that's what we come to see. There's 22 people running around, kicking a ball on a green rectangle, and we, you know, we love that, and that's why we come here. But the football kind of explains itself. The, the club nature is why people like me have been coming for what feels like 50 years, if not quite, and why people come and then, and then stay. Yeah. Because it's the, it's the social nature of what we do uh, and everything that, that gets provided. And seeing people arrive, be it at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, and have fun around the football but they're also watching a game or talking about games or just generally talking about what's going on in their lives because people become friends with people. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and that's what we're trying to do. And you extend that outside of match days and get people coming down here as their regular social meeting point. You know, you go back to the COVID days, you know, not that we want to go back no. to them, but <laughs> how much fun was it on a Friday yeah. when we could finally open and have um, <coughs> bottle, bottle bars yeah. and fish and chips in the car park and just catch up on what was going on in people's lives. Happy and sad, yeah. you know, people, people need people, you, know, you need to interact with people when you're at your lows and you want to share your highs. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to engender here is not think about football as, as three o'clock on a Saturday. It's, it's all day Saturday it's all day. or it's the lead up to Saturday or it's the, what we're doing today, talking about yesterday's game in the bar, you know, yeah, all of those absolutely. kind of things and extending what, what, what football means to us across the week yeah. really helps us as people, as a club, and the finances. So, you know, it ticks a number of boxes. It's not just about how, how many pounds drops at the bottom line yeah. because we've got Sky in and what's it costing us and will it cover its, uh, yeah. cover its cost and, uh, and what have you. So, yeah. Well, we, as we mentioned, we're here at the ladies' game. There are already a few faces that I would see on a Saturday downstairs. So um, that's obviously really, really good. Um, one other thing I wanted to, to mention is about, um, how can I word it? You kind of have a little bit of a reputation as the fun sucker with the statements that you have to put out and no pyro, which I don't agree with anyway because I hate them doing the chest. But that kind of thing, as we were talking about, costs us money. And whether we like it or not, whether people like pyro or not, 
that's a big problem for the person who's, who's doing it as well, isn't it? So um, I know you don't like putting out those statements and that's why I worded it as that. Um, but how important is it that people kind of get that message of, look, can we just stop doing yeah, this? Yeah, I, th I think behaviour generally is, is something that the footballism industry has to deal with. Um, now, in its literal sense, we've got rules and we have to follow rules because we're a responsible club, we're a responsible company. Um, we will always do the literal right thing. But within that, we've, we've also got a culture of what we expect and what having fun is and, and where those lines are. And those lines have changed over time. And when I, when I came as a, as a kid, I'm sure there were all kinds of behaviours then that were considered um, normal, let alone acceptable, that you know, through today's lens wouldn't yeah. happen. Um, and that's not excusing them or what have you. That's just how, how life has evolved. And we need to be looking at things in, in today's literal sense about are certain behaviours acceptable or not? And if they're not, but not everybody sees that they're not, we've got a duty to sort of explain why they're mm -hmm. not acceptable and the implications of those and, and all the rest of it. Not everybody will get that. Um, and not everybody can be vocal about things. Now, I'm quite fortunate in that I can be vocal and I can be representative of the club and saying this is why and and what have you. And I like to think I can do that, not just for things that we don't want to happen, yeah. but things that I'm trying to encourage to happen mm -hmm. uh, and what have you as well. So yes, yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm the fun sponge, as my daughter will call <laughs> me. Um, and, and, and sometimes I'm just, you know, the responsible figureheads yeah. for um, how things have to be. Now, there are certain things, that, as I said, we, we're, we're trying to encourage different behaviours. And it's, you know, it's great when we go, Yesterday, there were nearly, I think it was 250 or so behind the goal, all very vocal, all really enjoying themselves. You know, there was a few choice words, as there always will be, and there were certain opinions about certain decisions and what have you, as there will be, and that, that makes what that occasion is. And I think sometimes at home games, we, we don't kind of get the same yep. feeling. Now, some of that is to do with the physical architecture of the club. It's always easier to be noisy when you're in a, an acoustic area where you know that sound is going to travel rather than all be spread out. Um, and sometimes it's behaviours because you've got different types of people and an away fan is different to a home fan. Absolutely. Um, but I would, you know, I would love to, to have not just more people going to away games, but the kind of away day atmosphere spreading within the club. You know, it always amuses me when we, we get accused of football in the library and it's kind of true and we do have that history. Um, but we, historically we're a small club. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're on a journey and we've, we've come a long way, but, you know, I would love the atmosphere at our games to be as intense, vocal, enjoyable even as as we see when we're away. And it's great. I get the the privilege of being at the away ends in our games and interacting with those away fans. And we've got great reputation from away fans. And it's a shame that in many respects we don't have that mingling that we did in the, in the non league yeah. days because the appreciation that the away fans have of our club and what we've done and what we provide, um, I don't think is there. You know, our stewards at the way end, are, you know, are fantastic. They often get the feedback and the voting mm -hmm. mechanism about how we're judged. Um, I don't think people appreciate that. Um, and I'm very conscious, again, putting my business hat on once again. I recognise the same for us, our fans, not everybody can go to every game, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, not just the time, but the cost involved and, uh, and what have you. And it's great seeing people, when you talk to them, 
as we're beginning to do now in our third season, you're seeing people coming back and saying, I can only go to two or three games, yeah. but I always love coming here. You know, and they'll they'll spend their £20 note on us rather than yeah. at Tranmere or at Swindon and what have you, because we look after them. Mm-hmm. From the from the the welcome they get at the gate to the service they get in the bars to the fact that our stewards encourage them to sing. Yeah. Join in with their singing. I know that's been controversial in the in, you know in, in the past on on occasion. But we're providing a great day out for people. Now, the more people who come and have a great day out, whether you're home fans or, or away fans, those pounds are dropped to the bottom line. And essentially, you know, we're, we're a business, and you know, we can go into the numbers a bit later if you like. We've lost money every year yeah. for what have you. So every pound matters. But the owners and investors in the club don't take anything out. Everything yeah. that gets generated gets put back into the club somehow or other. So every additional marginal incremental pound that we get by being nice, by being welcoming, just by being good at what we do, benefits the club. No, and no. that's what I'm trying to do. No, absolutely. I mean, yes, there, there was two arguments with the stewards, um, and it was their job is to make a safe environment. And if getting everyone on side makes it a safe environment, then all power to them. Um, the problem with it is everyone has their own, like old gets like me, have their own little spot. This is where I want to stand. And everyone does that spread around. So all those away fans are dotted around the ground, and they're not all together where it's away you're kind of all funneled together yeah. and, and that's that's why it always seems like that but maybe we need little kids to just kind of all come down here on a thursday night and, and practice yeah <laughs> maybe i mean you know, as, as we get better stadium infrastructure as we get more people coming we can set up singing areas or family mm-hmm. areas away the downside of that is going to be that at some point hopefully not too soon but if we went up today it would have to happen um you can't come in through one turnstile and have the entirety of the home end. Yeah, you know, we, we know that when we go to away games, you, 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 even the home fans at those places, they, they'll buy a ticket for X stand. They can't yeah. walk round to the, the bar in the Y stand. Yeah, that's not how it works. We've tried to resist that as much as possible because we like the fact that everybody can wander around and you can be down as close as you can to that goal in that half and back at this yeah. end in the second half or get to that bar because that's where people con- congregate. That will change. That's inevitable, unfortunately. But that's 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 one of the downsides of being yeah. successful and moving your way up the pyramid. And we just have to sometimes ask ourselves the question: Well, what would you prefer? Yeah. You know, do, do you want the success and and the rules and the obligations that come with it as part of that success, or would you rather not have the success and and, and want something else? And that's fine. We've all got yeah. opinions on that. Um, we we can be honest about it. But yeah, you know, sometimes we we have to do things. We wouldn't choose to do. Yeah. Um, as no. I say, if we, if we were if we were promoted last season, we would already have had to put in those kind of segregated areas and what wow. have you. We'll see that next year, and I'll, I'll flag it now and give people a chance to get used to it. For two years, we've had no standing behind the goals, but we've had freestanding at the sides against yeah. the pitches. That that was a three year. Um, All right. Moratorium, if that's the right phrase. Right. So from next year. People won't be able to stand up against the perimeter barriers. Wow. They'll have to be on. They have to be on the curve yeah. or the mounds or um, other right. terraces. They can't stand in front of the grandstand in the paddocks. Oh, um, so yeah, there, there'll be things like that will come along. We'll have to manage the message around that, and the stewards will have to be, you know, yeah. accepting that there'll be some education required. Yeah, it's a, but you know, it is what it is. No, so yeah. um, you know that that those. Those minor inconveniences, as what they all are at the end of the day, shouldn't detract from why we're coming here as a sport to give to the yeah. club and the players and what have you. Right. It kind of answers a question um, then, because there's been a few games where I'm looking around going, we've got 3,000 here. We could definitely get more, but if we're not allowed to have people standing up 
well, I know we're allowed, but if it's only a temporary thing, then if everyone has to move back, then that, that's where all the space that I'm seeing. So it doesn't quite work like that because our capacity have worked on the basis that they're not standing there. Right. Um, so we've got a, official capacities which are worked out on densities of certain areas and different mm -hmm. terraces are made in different ways so they have different formulae that apply to them. It's all quite boring. Yeah. But essentially we have, um, uh, we have a capacity calculation um, mm -hmm. that if we can operate in a fully free, safe way, it's going to be X. There'll be certain situations where that X is reduced. Mm -hmm. um, it might be reduced officially. It might just be an operational reduction. And at the moment, we allow some of the people that technically should be standing on the terrace to be up against a fence. And that would have to change, um, as I say, going forward. Okay. Now, what that will mean is it will probably be denser than it has done previously and we'd hope not to be able to move the barriers because the cost involved in that and what have you but we'll just have to see how that pans out yeah. now I'm, I'm loving <clears throat> trying to make standing areas denser because that's a, that's us successfully bringing more people into yeah. the stadium now there's going to be stadium developments that are going to be taking place over the next few months and what have you and that's going to increase capacity as well so whilst we've got these things that are sort of pushing down on our capacity and making it less um less exciting or as we want it to be yeah. in some people's eyes. We've got lots of other things going on that, that are, you know, moving that spectrum <laughs> the other way. You know, the pendulum's going to swing in other ways as well. So if we get that balance right, we, we won't have issues with people um, not being able to attend because it's too full or, yeah. or, or, or what have you or stand. There'll be elements of, I, I've always stood here, why can't I? Because that's how the world works. Who would say such a terrible but thing? But if, we, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're always providing good things yeah. um, and giving people's reasons to come, you know, pe people will... Will well, adapt exactly. You know, there, there's lots of um, there's lots of change that that comes along, and it feels difficult at the time. And people are, um, I don't think they're worried about change, but change is, is a thing for people. Yeah. And then you get used to it, and you move on, and you wonder what what, 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 what was all that was about. Yeah. So yeah. Managing the message, um, there's going to be certain things you're not going to be able to answer on this, um, so I'm not going to um, force you to, but how do we make decisions on what goes up? We, we, sorry, we're quite lucky in that. Um, the oldies have always been able to rock up and go, hey, what's this about? What's that about? And people are very open and honest. But this last couple of weeks, we flagged up on a website, there's an embargo and such, and everyone's heart has just jumped and people filled the void. Um, now, piecing together some things, um, it's a HMRC thing, it was money owed. We've already said we're a club that doesn't have much money. We managed to clear it almost straight away. So from that, I know it can't have been a vast sum because otherwise we wouldn't be able to, to do it straight away. Um, we've only got that tenor in the bank. But um, how does the message get decided? Does it get decided of what we communicate to people or how much we're allowed to tell people? Okay, so I'll, I'll caveat the start of this by agreeing that it's probably not been our finest hour and mm -hmm. there's plenty to learn, generally speaking, about comms. Um, but it's not, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't disclose the situation because we we didn't think it was right to and we didn't want to worry people about them coming to a conclusion that there was a really big thing mm -hmm. um, because we've all seen examples of where where this leads to and yeah. it is very easy to go that's going to be us as well I can't yeah. believe it's happening to us etc etc um, now that's not to say we shouldn't say anything Mm -hmm. um, and I think if there's, there's any kind of um, uh, legitimacy around this topic, once others had effectively outed that position, 
could we and should we have done more to explain where we were at uh, and what have you? And the answer with hindsight is probably yes, and we'll, we'll learn from that. And I hesitate to say when it happens the next time, because I hope <laughs> it doesn't, obviously. Um, but we can probably learn from that. I, think that. I think that's fair to say. But within that, we're quite restricted in what we can say as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had two recurrent club not communicating with us type of things. And we might go into the other one in a minute, which is about new directors and new directions and yep. uh, what have you. And again, there are rules around these things. We can only move or communicate once we've got go-aheads from the FA or the EFL or what have you. Now, it could be that other clubs tip people the wing, can do things in a certain way. Well, we try and do things the right yep. way. And I think that's quite important that when we do something, people can rely on that consistency of they're doing it the right way. They're not trying to spin it or play it one way in this time and yeah. some other way on other occasions. And that does lead to situations, perhaps like we've just had, where we're trying to do the right thing, but we feel quite tired about how that gets said and spoken about uh, and what have you. And there's still things now that we can't really talk about specifically about the Mm -hmm. embargo because that whole situation and the causes of it remain unresolved. Yes, we've settled what was due and we're not on the embargo anymore. um, But it doesn't mean that that whole episode has finished its entirety. What, What didn't help us, I guess, was at the same time, you've got the situation that you're seeing at Reading yeah. You've got the situation at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got numbers of people out there that are looking for pieces of information because they're trying to focus on specific story around specific club. Yeah. And then they come across, yeah. oh, Sutton, as well. Sutton are involved in that as well. And then you get people yeah. ringing up and saying, can we have something yeah. explaining? And then you politely say, actually, no, we can't. Or in a very general sense, we can answer a, a a question to a, a trusted source at the BBC or whatever it mm-hmm. happens to be. But that also means that it goes onto various websites and people yeah. then start that process of putting two and two together and, um, and what have you. Um, but at the same time, as you say, there are people who can just come and ask us the question. Now, we can't always give the literal answer, but we can provide any kind of yeah. reassurances around there's something going on or we can't say X, but don't yeah. worry about mm-hmm. Y. And, and what have you, but we still have to choose who those people are that we talk to. And people that have been good friends of mine for the last 20 years, I can probably have more brutally honest conversations <laughs> about than somebody who I've only yep. you know, met via an email or, mm-hmm. or, or what have you. So it, it is genuinely difficult. What we would try to do, like any other business, is to have a communications policy and we have single points of reference so that we get that consistent message so that you know that everything has got to go through Tony Dalbert, for instance. Yeah. Um, and in that way, in the long term, that's the right way to do things because, as I explained, people do know that we are being consistent and truthful rather yeah. than, oh, if I ask that person, I'll get a different answer to that. Well, why is that? Exactly. Who's telling yeah. the truth? And you start getting in that, that whole world. Now, sometimes that makes it feel like we're not accessible or as accessible as we could be. Yeah. But there are reasons behind it, yep. and we've just had an episode of that. So, yeah, hands up, we could probably have been better. There are reasons, and people can talk to me about it. So, on that, you've kind of uh, mentioned, and you need to tell him that it's part of an initiation process to come on the podcast. So that's what we need to make sure we've got a, a new director. Um, w- apart from that, meaning that we're going to be selling Gander Green Lane and building flats, 
Um, what, what does it mean? What do we know about him? Is there anything more that we know about him than yes, been out so, there? So, so let me rewind the, the, the whole process. So since, since becoming a Football League club, the reality is from that first day, you have all kinds of people that are pushing forward either themselves or individuals and saying, I want to get involved, I want to do this, and conversations start. The vast majority of those are very politely, yep. thank you very much, but we're happy with what we've got. And a few of them develop into, into, into bigger things. Um, I was probably a conversation 10 years ago or however long it goes. Um, same with Mbuzz, same with, same with Gary. Um, and this was um, a process where a more interesting conversation idea mm -hmm. was on the table that, that was worthy of developing, shall we yeah. say. Um, so bringing it up to date, yes, we've got a new director on board and I'm sure he would love the opportunity to come <laughs> and explain exactly what it is he's, he, he's looking to do um, and um, how much we're selling the flats for and, uh, and what have you. But it, in, it, in its broadest sense, we've got one director, but it's actually four individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and he's representing um, that consortium, if that sounds a very great yeah, yeah. title. There's four individuals, all very successful people and all bringing um, new skill sets and new mm -hmm. uh, abilities to do things that we don't currently have. And that's why it's quite exciting. Yep. So for me, yes, they're bringing some money because any investor, you know, almost inevitably is bringing money. Yep. And of course, that's very useful. Um, but really, it's what they bring in terms of business acumen and <coughs> um, other things to, to the ball table, in, in a sense, that will allow us to do things that either we haven't done before or that we find difficult to do because either we don't have the skill set or we're too, um, we're too wrapped up in what Sutton United is and what Sutton yep. United means. And sometimes you need new external people to come along and say, have you thought about this? Or you can really do things in that space. Um, and I'm quite keen and I've been quite vocal about when we, when we joined the, the other 72, we almost felt that um, intruder syndrome. You know, yeah. do we really belong? Well, mm -hmm. They must be brilliant at everything. <laughs> you know, how can we even compete and what have you? And, and Matt, <coughs> very soon on the, on the green rectangle, saw through, no, we do belong here. And this is just 11 people going toe to toe and we'll fight it out in a football sense. And, and you know, some we win, some we lose, and, but we definitely belong. And it took a little while for us to get to that space more on the club side or the yeah. business side. And then, you know, without being disrespectful about other clubs, you realise that they too have plenty of deficiencies and inefficiencies <coughs> and areas where actually we're better at than them even. And, yeah. you know, we definitely do belong. And then it's how do we look at and peer review uh, and pluck the best of what they're good at and where we're less and where we can learn. And, and what. So we start that process ourselves. But we're getting new people on with new ideas and new experience. You know, these guys are experienced at setting up and running and growing companies. We're a massive growth story. We've yeah. got people on board here. <clears throat> That have done growth stories before you know Sutton United has been a gradual growth story if you like and, and a consistent um, club in the non-league world yeah. for a long time we've not really gone like we've gone in the last couple of years and we've had a lot of um, caution conservatism about not becoming a firework that, that yeah. bright burns brightly for a, a short period <laughs> and, then, and then disappears um, and I think 
this episode we're just at the, the embryonic stages of is going to be a great and exciting way of kind of shackling off that conservatism and, and seeing where we go where we go next so some really interesting and exciting conversations Beautiful. taking place um and you know the, the the four guys i'm sure would love to love love to get a bit more involved and they're, they're a bit like me as well we're, we're not publicity people we're no. we're, we're, we're doers we're dreamers no. we're livers but we're not self-promoters no. so you know they're, they're quiet something united in that respect but they're, they're very excited Good. um and yeah, we're, we're an attraction proposition you know yeah we are one of the few clubs within a the the most exciting cash generative league in the world in the capital city thereof you know exactly not many people get the opportunity to choose and be chosen to be part of this story so no. it, it's very exciting stuff but I say I, I can't go too specific <laughs> no. or, to, or, or, or too into it but in a very broad sense we're very excited beautiful and there was one question of, of practicalities so we're in the boardroom do they literally just sit here with a, like a, 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 as an ipad and you, you see them faces on zoom or is we, it on the big screen it, it's very rare we actually have board meetings <laughs> oh, in the boardroom now i had that you vision know, this um <laughs> it, it it used to be the case and then covid you know changed a did lot. a lot to a lot of of the world uh, and we got used to meeting in a kind of virtual sense mm -hmm. um and you know this room used every day um and various combinations of board directors and and the other people across the club you know use this room but in, in terms of board meetings now it's it's quite rare to have one in in the boardroom so they'll they will be joining us virtually but they won't be alone in doing that in a sense fair enough right i'm going to slot in a quick video that i did with sutton volunteer center and it's all about the youth summit which is happening this thursday so by the wonders of technology you're going to see that now okay so we are doing something a little bit different you know i always like to promote um, local events going on and we had something volunteer center on a while back so people should know what goes on there today we're going to focus mostly on the youth summit um but in case anyone missed the previous show what on earth were you doing but jenny could you give us a little bit of an overview of um something volunteer center before we move on to the youth summit Yep, sure, Candy. So um, the Volunteer Centre is a go-to um, place for volunteering in Sutton. In Sutton, so we help organisations um, find volunteers, best practice around volunteering. We also run a number of um, our own projects, um, from uh, mentoring for young people. Um, we obviously um, have run, run the um, uh, project for young people, which is called the Young Commissioners, which is the, is the is the group of young people that I lead, and they're the voice of young people in Sutton. Um, we also work with. Um, Hong Kong community, the Ukrainian community, the Afghan community, you know, what helping them to sort of settle um, into the local area. Uh, we have a befriending program where we sort of um, match volunteers in the community with um, people that are a little bit lonely and isolated in, in the community. Um, yeah, and we, we, where there are a number of projects. If you have a look at our website, you can see all the different exciting things, exciting things we do. And I think we touch the lives of probably thousands of people across the across the borough, really, every day. It's quite amazing, really, um, how much you know, how much our project leads um, impact um, and positively on the local community. Yeah, one of the things that I really like the takeaway when we spoke to Nick a while ago was um, the fact that it isn't one of those things, once you said you're going to do it, you're stuck forever and ever. There's like a, a little dip in and out thing. You give as much time as you can. Um, so I, if, if anyone does remember that session, go, go back and listen to it if you like, but um, it's really good stuff. Um, but what I liked especially is you're doing this youth summit 
and you thought, I know, we're going to ask the person who's the most youthful person that we can think <laughs> of to help promote this, Grandpa Mike. Um, so, um, but before we talk to Joseph in, in a moment, can you give me yourself of the Youth Summit? Yep. Okay. So um, we had a youth summit last year, actually, um, in September uh, last year, where kind of we launched a lot of the work we've been doing with young people over the past year. Um, and at that and that at that summit, we um, agreed some priority areas that were really of concern of young people in Sutton, um, and those were around mental health inequalities and safety and since that time we've done quite a lot of work with that with with the young people um, we've been to various different meetings done workshops engagement events with young people um, so this this um, summit is is a time for us to be able to give back to young people to actually you know come along find out some useful information about some of those issues you know get some help and support around mental health um, find out what, what work we've been doing with the police to keep young people safe in Sutton um, there's also going to be careers advice and apprenticeship organizations going to be there we've got Carshorton College so um, it's going to be a place where you can get lots of useful information but actually have a bit of fun as well so there's going to be a few fun activities there'll be free pizza which is always good um, you know cupcakes etc um, and yeah so it should be a really nice um, fun fun event um, we're hoping to get lots of young people through the door the young commissioners will be helping to run the event throughout the day so they will be there um, facilitating helping helping people registering people and every young person that comes along will um, be entered into a prize draw. Um, and we've got laptops, uh, Nando vouchers and various other prizes. So lots of good reasons to, to come along and, and meet us, everyone. OK, you, you covered an awful lot there. But, <laughs> um, you, you got to get these plugs in. When, when is it? What, 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 what <laughs> so is this this Thursday um, at uh, starts from three o'clock in the St Nicholas Centre. So it's downstairs in the St Nicholas Centre. If any remembers, anyone remembers where they had the, were doing the COVID jabs, it's just in the space opposite there. But we'll also be out in the hall, um, out in the lobby, and it's very more or less opposite Jim Sutton. So nice and easy to find, and there'll be lots of young people around, hopefully guiding people in. Um, and the event will be going on till half past six. So this Thursday, St Nicholas Centre. This Thursday, St Nicholas Centre. Beautiful. And Joseph, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you tell us a little bit about yourself how you kind of got involved and um what people can expect from the youth summit um yeah so i i am a secondary school student in sutton um i found uh jenny and the young commissioners through um one of my friends who who's also a young commissioner and basically the word sort of spread around and it was a newly sort of fresh group it just been launched in 2022 um sort of getting renewed with jenny having joined um back then and then i recently joined and then my friend also joined so so very quickly the group started growing um and i just found that a lot of the things that we did were really interesting and again like what Jenny said it was just giving back to the community in a way that also really enriched our lives in some sense because we could work on stuff and know that there was something really gratifying out of it um, whether it be doing an engagement event whether it be doing a litter pick and also it was really just a nice thing to do to get your mind off sort of exams or studying and and be able to be with friends and just enjoy have a nice time outside of school you know um and i think with the youth youth summit um this year i think it's a really good reflection point for for how much we have got come from from last year um because initially our our event last year was just seeing 
what what are young people thinking currently about Sutton? And it was quite broad. So now we have a lot more of a focused aim. And I think given the number of people, hopefully we hope to come to the event. Um, I definitely think it will have a much more focused impact and, and we can we can use that going forward in the next year, hopefully to see even more change um, yeah. that we hope to do. <laughs> well, I like the um, the idea of doing these tasks to take your mind off school because my eldest has just been through finished year levels and um, the amount of pressure put on to concentrate on only studies, I'm like, no, just stop. <laughs> go, go do something else, please, just something. Um, so I, I do like that. Jenny mentioned the issues like mental health, inequalities and safety. Um, how, how do those needs kind of tie in? Did, 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 did they come from you guys or was that um, from other, other sort of outside organisations? Who kind of put these together? How do they resonate with you guys? Yeah, so we've done um, loads of sort of engagement events with the, the police. We've done across our meetings, we had spoke about um, various issues within Sutton and predominantly the issues surrounding um, that we had experienced were focused on those issues. So personal safety, coming to and from school, um, the issue of vaping within Sutton um, and, that, and that links in with health and safety um, as well as inequalities because given the fact that we're all secondary school students um, we saw really big disparities in how how schools, differing schools, would perhaps deal with certain issues. So that, in its sense, um, was a really big concern for us, which brought up inequalities. And then, of course, mental health is a huge thing facing young people, particularly um, in their teenage years. So we had many conversations about that. So that's sort of how those three areas kind of built up. Um, through those conversations and, and speaking to council leaders and so on, yeah. <clears throat> uh, this one might might be for you, Jenny, better to ask this one. Um, so I noticed there's a survey and some questions about the cost of living as well. Um, yes. What are kind of the expected outcomes or any actions? How, how will be the young people's feedback be, be used on this? Yeah, I mean, so that's really important part of all of the work we do, not just around the cost of living, but around those that safety stuff and all those other priorities we're looking at, because the big part of the work is actually making sure we're holding um, leaders in the community and those organisations to account, you know, those statutory organisations to say, well, young people have said this, what are you going to do, you know, what what's going to change, you know, how's that, how are they going to see a positive impact? Um, so um, obviously the cost of living crisis is, is massive at the moment, you know, it's, it's impacting everyone. Um, so what we probably haven't heard from is from young people is actually how that's directly impacting them so we want to see like what what in what ways is impacting them and actually how can we help them so there will be information and advice um for young people that actually some of it they might better take home as well to their families um about how to access um support whether that be through um some of our um, voluntary organizations or through something like fam the family hubs which is um, um, places where um, the council put together lots of partners come together and they can support families in, in many different ways um, and as a result of that hopefully we can look at more tailored ways of, of directly helping young people with some of those issues. Beautiful. Um, you've both mentioned young commissioners a few times um, and I've nodded very very politely um, pretending but I'm gonna have to explain it a little bit because we're not going to know. Um, so what what 
what's in, involved? What's your main sort of responsibilities and, um, and, and how do you contribute as a young commissioner, Joseph? You, you give me your take. Um, yeah, so I think if I were to provide a definition, it'd be quite loose um, because there's so many different things that we do. Um, in, in the sort of simplest form, it's, it's holding people in local authority, in local governance to account for the needs of young people. Um, and I think that, that that really encompasses a broad range of things that we do. Um, that could be from engagement events to the new to the new MET launch, to our own meetings, to the youth summit. Um, there's such a varied things that we do, um, to litter picks. Those are all sort of things that, that are forms of us engaging with the community, but also us observing what's in the community to take back to those that can make that change and should really. Um, and, and also about taking feedback really. So we do loads of surveys, um, we've done leafleting in Sutton, really engaging with the community to try and see what concerns are there um, that young people hold. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's important to add, yeah, so it's like a diverse group of young people from across Sutton, um, sort of age 11 to 18 years old, you know, either have to live or go to work, um, school in Sutton. Um, we've currently got representation from, I think, 13 or 14 different secondary schools. So a really nice sort of mix of different experience, lived experiences and, you know, people from different areas, different backgrounds. So I think that's really nice. I think that's given us that, that richness of of different opinions um, and different viewpoints. And actually what's been really lovely is seeing the young people from those different schools coming together when they wouldn't normally always perhaps have any interaction um, and seeing that and seeing them make friends as well has been actually absolutely lovely mm -hmm. to see but I think it's def definitely sort of opened the eyes of those people that come along to the different experiences of other people in Sutton. So I'm going to put you on the spot in a second I'll give you time to think about it um, so the question I'm going to ask you is can you think of a particular project or initiative that um, has made a, a difference um, in Sutton or uh, not a difference, that's the wrong word, but uh, uh, something you guys are proud of. But yeah. before you give yourself some thinking time, you you can mention young people, youth summit and all the rest of it. What, what kind of ages are we talking about? I mean, I'm guessing almost 50 is is out the door. Um, but <laughs> yeah. what, what kind of age, age groups are we talking about for the youth summit? Yeah, it's 11 to 18, but um, also it will be, you know, it's anyone up to age 25, really, um, because, mm -hmm. say, you know, you don't suddenly everything falls into place when you become 18 you know obviously 18 is still very young as well and you you know might still be at college so really that's you know for, for the summit it's really you know, all the stuff there that will be of, of use for people up to, up to the age of about 25. Okay and that's giving you a few seconds give us that um, example of something that um, people in Sutton might go oh I didn't know you guys had anything to do with that or, or something that you guys are particularly proud of. Do you want to go Joseph or it's what you guys are proud of rather than me I mean my 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 suggestion would be something maybe around some of the safety stuff I think there's some, been some really positive outcomes there and, and tangible yeah. things um, I think one of the biggest things that I would say as a young commissioner I'm sort of proud to be a part of would be our campaign against the issue of vaping um that that I think is one of our biggest um sort of projects within the recent few weeks um we had done a range of different things relating to that. Um, so it sort of began with engagement events with young people, having conversations with other young commissioners. And we brought up the issue of vaping and there were a lot of young people concerned about the number of shops within Sutton. Um, 
as well as the impact on on young people's health that vapes have and so what we decided to do was write up a letter to Elliot Colburn and Paul Scully and thankfully we managed to receive a um, uh, email coming back from Paul Scully about him you know speaking to relevant ministers about the about our concerns which is really promising um, but we also were able to use some of the some of the content of that letter um, to be able to write up a draft um, for a sort of policy motion to the British Youth Council manifesto and that basically meant that we'd be able to make an addition for the increased regulation of vapes within the British Youth Council manifesto and this was passed which is fantastic we were really pleased about this and it had been something that we'd um, worked on for a really long time uh, and and spent the day debating and trying to defend it which was really good and we saw pretty much unanimous support for it really um, so so on a national level we were able to bring some form of change as well as be able to see one of our local MPs be responsive to our concerns. Um, and I, I think the fact that it was something that so many young people felt strongly about. And actually, when we had the British Youth Council summit meeting, um, ACM, um, there were so many sort of young people that had, they were like, thank you, you know, this is something that we'd been looking for, for a really long time. This is something I see my friends do in school and I'm really worried about it you know and having those interactions at the um the youth uh, British Youth Council when we passed that policy motion it was really gratifying um so yeah I, th I think that's one of the the biggest things I'm I'm proud of so when I started that question I suddenly had a panic moment going oh god what if there isn't anything that's made a difference to people in Sutton but you you did go with Sutton you went national um that's, <laughs> that's way way bigger than i than i sort of expected so yeah brilliant um we're gonna go kind of back to the youth summit which is the, the point um that we wanted to, to um promote a plug it's a very subtle plug here I'm, I, I do nice subtleties and smash it with a brick and go to the youth summit um so what um so there's all these different areas that we're talking about. Um, I think we've probably covered the, the, the one that we're concentrating on most of the, the, the health. I know there's there's all the others as well, but health seems to be highlighted. Um, but it also aims to empower young people. Um, how do you uh, feel that your voice and opinions are valued and heard um, at, in these um, sort of things, Joseph? Um, so how do you feel? Do you, do you feel as though people are just sitting there nodding along politely and then going about their day? Or do you feel that you're actually being listened to? Um, I think for me personally, um, I definitely think it's empowering. I think it's something that's really built up my sort of confidence, being able to speak to um, people from a range of different backgrounds, take part in a range of different activities. You know, gaining that confidence to go in Sutton High Street and be able to leaflet is something that two, three years ago, I couldn't have the confidence to do. Um, but it's just, in general, it's a life experience and it builds skills um, that you will need in adulthood. And I think that that's something really brilliant. But I think more widely, the Young Commissioners is a space, is a group that allows for um, like a range of participation you know if you if you're really occupied with school um you can be able to take a step back and just have a couple of weeks to rest and relax 
um, and, and if you really want to participate and do loads of events and that's also for you. Um, so I, I just love that there's that range and it really caters to as many people as possible and aims to be a really accessible group um, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. And I'm guessing it's, again, <laughs> I hated the way they, they drove it at school all the time, but for these things, there's, there's also networking as well, because there'll be different organisations there um, that you might sort of say, oh, I didn't even know they existed around here. Um, so I, I guess that's a good thing, Jenny, you're nodding, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think, yeah. I think what's happened as well is actually we've become very well known, so we get lots of requests from different organisations that want to come along and talk to us and ask us because they want to hear the viewpoints of, of young people um, around the services they might be delivering or other, other things that they might be trying to do. So recently we were looking at whether we should have we should be allow sort of advertising in the high street for junk food um because that's something that that's something that you know the local authority can control so they wanted to sort of hear from young people about what they thought about that so um yeah i think that that's been that really positive effect impact hasn't it of, of you know sort of getting getting our name known <laughs> around the local yeah. area so just going to dial it back a little bit because someone who's thinking oh, do you know what i might i might wander along get a slice of free pizza and then suddenly hear him talking about national conferences. They might go, "Whoa, hang on, hang on a second. Um, I mean, what what do the guys who are going to come along to this um, realistically? What what are they going to be achieving? So when they come to the youth summit to hear what you guys are going to say, what is their expected next steps um, in regards to your young commissioners and so on? Um, well, the actual Young Commissioner group is very popular at the moment. So we actually have a waiting list um, of, of young people. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's been, it's been it's been great, obviously, but and I'd love to take on more young people. But at the moment, we do have a waiting list. But I suppose it depends on what they're coming for, you know. So there's going to be some information there about like, volunteering, um, apprenticeships, etc. So it might be they want to come along and find out, think, thinking about, well, I'm not sure what I want to do in the future um, and get some ideas around that. Or actually, there might be young people that come along that actually want to sort. Actually, I'd like to hear about what, what services there are for young people who are struggling you know, at the moment. You know, if I've got some exam stress at the moment, you know, what is it? What's there? What's out there for me? So I think lots of different things depending on what what your um, what, you, what your interest is, or you know, the reason that you might want to come along along to the summit. So lots of there'll, there'll be lots of people there to give advice, and then you might be able to follow up with some of those organisations. There'll be other youth organisations there as well, such as um, Time Out Youth, which do a lot of work with young people in Sutton. So there'll be lots of opportunities to sort of um, do different things, you know, depending on what you're interested in. Okay, beautiful. Well, I I said to you guys about 10 minutes, we've been 23 so far, um, but <laughs> sorry, um, but uh, Joseph, I'm going to get you to sign off with your bit and let me know what would you say to encourage people if this is the clip they could hear to say, right, this is going to make me go and attend that youth summit. What, what's your little clip to make, to make people come and not want to miss it? You can't mention the pizza and free, free cake. You've got to have something else. <laughs> OK. Um, that's a very good question. So I would say thinking about the youth summit as a whole just consider the impact that it can have for so many young people in Sutton um attend the youth summit if even if you have want to have a bit of fun and go on some infl inflatable limbo then then do that but you know you can you can do so so many so much impact being able to attend it you know it what we collect from that event will will be so mean meaningful 
and and having your input by being there and having your friends input by being there will be incredibly valuable um, for the group going forward and, and incredible incredibly valuable for young people within Sutton to see that impact that we we hope to make change you know <clears throat> excellent you guys need to really work on the promo there was no inflatable limbo mentioned anywhere else you can have all this stuff um, Jenny to, to wrap up uh, give us your thoughts why it's important for young people to attend the youth summit and what unique opportunities are they are they going to, to be able to offer yeah, so it's your opportunity to get your voice heard as well, um, yeah, because there will probably be um, local decision makers and other sort of people that will be coming along. So it's your chance to get your voice heard and actually to, to actually think about um, what you can get, you know, find out what is happening in Sutton. Because actually there is some really good stuff happening for young people in Sutton. So come along, find out what's happening, have a little bit of fun at the same time, meet the young commissioners and you can up quiz them about what they've been doing in the local area and how they are actually directly helping you. So. Yeah, please come along. It will be really fun. Um, and we're hoping to be really busy, um, buzzing sort of event. And yes, we have got an inflatable limbo as well as um, a photo booth and a, and a social media frame. So we can do some social media when you're there. So yeah, bit of fun and a bit of serious stuff at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a very important line to keep because it's all serious. No one's going to turn up. Um, no. But beautiful. Um, I may, I think I'm actually in the office on Wednesday, so I, uh, not Wednesday, Thursday, that would be pointless. Um, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. um, so I may pop in after work if, if yeah, I Yeah, please do. I'll get my fake ID and pretend. <laughs> <I'm here. Yeah. laughs> uh, beautiful. Thank you both for your time. I'll let you get on with the rest of your Saturday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And the reason I've done that is because I wanted to finish up with you because we kick off rapidly approaching. Um, but I wanted to finish off with a thing that was just launched this last week, and um, I was one of the testers, um, and it was the the Junior Jennies, is it? Um, so yeah, have a, tell us a little quick thing about that because it's all about the the new generation and some of the stuff that you've alluded to before. Yeah, so so this is doing something that's new to us, but again, it's one of these things that we see. Lots of football clubs do memberships games, and we've kind of had them in. We've had the vice presidents in the past, and, and that became the 1898 club, which is a, a limited membership. But what we wanted to do was do something that was broader than that, um, so it has appeal, but also it's it's about providing something that we haven't done specifically in the past, and finding those new people that are going to be joining the club. So we've we've launched. Um, in the past, well, a month or so ago, we launched the Overseas Supporters Club, mm -hmm. uh, which has gone really well. We've now, you know, it's amazing how many different countries we've got people oh, no. that actually follow us. Um, um, it's great. Um, we're giving them a sort of a sense of a membership of something. They get more about what we're doing. They get newsletters. They get involved. They get access to iFollow, as everybody does. Yeah. Um, and it makes them feel that they are supporting their club. And the junior membership is an extension of that. So they'll get, um, as part of their membership, they'll get a scarf and they'll get various <laughs> tangible things. But they also get that, that joining up and belonging to, to mm. other things. Jenny's great, obviously. You know, we've yeah. got a history of what Jenny means to the club and, um, and the youngsters love all that. We're going to be extending that junior membership into the team um, groups as well. That will be, right. be coming quite soon. So it's a, a broadly similar... Uh, package of things but just more um, directed at, yeah. at a, a slightly different 
slightly different group. And this will evolve over time. You know, we'll, we'll look to grow this and, and, and do specific things and, and make it exciting for people to join join those those membership. But what's what's important is joining a club isn't just about the football. No. And so it is about all the things we can do as a community and the aspects of that you've you've touched on, you know, mm. in terms of what does the community mean to Sutton United and Sutton in general. It's not just about elite sport, it's yeah. about all across the age groups, all across the abilities, um, walking football, disability football, uh, and what have you. So by putting these memberships out there and, and allowing people to be part of the club rather than just the football, I yep. think it's a really exciting development. And then you've got all those interfaces that, that, that can come with that because a lot of them will be members of, of a cult section or a, or a, uh, a girls team or, or whatever it might be, or they'll have nieces and nephews. And it's just a way of Bringing people that, that come to see the football at three o'clock, understanding actually this goes on throughout the week. And one of the things that, that, that I won't say it's been disappointing, but we've had to live with is the, the, the real community aspect of the club when we had the 3G and it was open every day of the yeah. week and people were in the bars all the time and people could bring their kids because they were doing something, but the first team were doing something in the morning or what have you. And you had that overlap and, and that's been lacking because of the reality of turning plastic into grass yeah. and the first team now being near Heathrow and not here, yeah. what can we do to try and bridge those gaps and make it feel much more of a club and a community? And this is part of that story. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much. That was um, a long 10 minutes, I promised you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, That's what happens when you wait two years. <laughs> exactly, got a lot to get out. So I hope you enjoyed that. I know it's not a normal um, match day experience, but um, we obviously enjoyed the match in the last minute equaliser. Um, this is um, Sutton Podcast in association with Lucky Star Gin. And thank you for your ear attention. That's just especially for Joe, because I know he loves that. Um, take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.